podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Anfield Index podcast. It's episode 250. And I've just realized that it's episode 250. Uh, we haven't done anything to mark this special, what is that, quarter millennium, two and a half yeah. centuries. There's probably a specific word for 250. But anyway, that's the episode that it is. And I am Trev Denny and I am podcasting to you from beautiful rural Ireland. And I am joined by Carl Kopak and Cam Branch and producer Guy Drinkle. And we have a show planned for you that well to say it's planned would be a mistake uh it's not really planned we have a couple of ideas what we're going to talk about because we are at the sort of tail end of international fortnight um and you may have noticed that at least two of the particular posse you're about to listen to have been uh, busy bees with their solo projects more of which later um, so football has not been quite the source of focus that it might otherwise have been. And, you know, in a kind of loose, loose connection, um, the show that I'm hoping to get off the ground very soon that we've almost got set up, the great stories, I mentioned it before. One of the guys that has publicly now, God love him, committed to doing an episode is Smirchpod's John Rain. And in tribute to John being uh, a, a, an ally immediately uh, to what myself and Pooley are trying to do, uh, I said I played a clip from John's show, Smirchpod, and he did what was uh, ca- called a side special on a remarkable movie called Taffin um, with the excellent Alan Buxton, who is himself a fine podcaster, who I'm going, I'm going to great tap man. up. But um, the great stories. So I want to just put this in context for you. Taffin is just a bizarre little film um, starring Pierce Brosnan. And what you're about to hear is the two lads, and there's so much of this, is the two lads discussing one particular character called Legs, who's the the, the local uh, landlord um, bar owner, and his interactions with Alison Doody, who's the very lovely Alison Doody, you might remember from the 80s, who didn't do too many films, um, but um, was was delightful uh, in the one she was in. Uh, so there's a little clip coming up. Now, again, if you've got the nippers listening, I would say, you know, maybe don't have the nippers listening, because the language here gets a little bit tasty at times, but I, I found myself helplessly laughing at this. So maybe you will too, and maybe it'll inspire you to go and look at that particular episode of Pod, or just to have a look at what John's doing in particular over there. It's, it is a fantastic show. So here's uh, the two lads, uh, John Rain and Alan Buxton, talking about this character of Les and the character that Alison Duty plays. So yes, so we meet Alison Doody. I think she's called Charlotte. She's called Charlotte. Charlotte. And she is working for a Cockney man. Yeah. Les. Yes. He looks like a more heavy set Borat. He does. And he speaks with a a studied insouciance that is typical to the criminal fraternity. Wow. So he sort of says everything. He's just not polite. He is not. 
That's how it's all misogynist as well. I don't care, you know. And he is a misogynist. Yeah. And he immediately sexually harasses Charlotte. Yeah. Puts his hand on her bottom, Mm -hmm. I think, Mm -hmm. and says, oh, you know you like it. She protests that she doesn't like it. Stop, she says, and go play with yourself. Yeah. I'm working for you. That's all. Yeah. Les then replies mysteriously, (laughs) never mind that. Concentrate on the books. (laughs) What does that mean? I don't know. He wants her to do more admin. I think so. Sexy admin. Maybe she's cooking his books sexily. Oh, right. He calls his willy his books. Yeah. I've suddenly imagined Tina Turner going, sexy admin. Yeah. <laughs> Only quite a nice <laughs> moment. <laughs> uh, yeah, maybe she does cook his book. Yeah. yeah. Doctor, I've got a problem with the books. <laughs> um, sorry? Yeah, you know, uh, with the books. There's a little uh, difficulty with the books. They're cooked. What are you talking about? You know, the books, uh, the old book, the book, the classic books. Can you have a look at my books? I don't know what you mean. I'm talking about my penis, my cock, my John Thomas, my fucking books. Have you ever heard anyone talk about their cock as their books before? No, I never have. All right, well, you're a fucking monkey. Monkey muppet. Look at my fucking cock and call it the books. I'm never coming back here again. This has been a very humiliating experience. That's what his life's going to be like. Yeah, that's just the tip of the And so on. <laughs> so, heartily recommend checking out that particular podcast. Start there with that one. Because that's happened, that's happened. amazing. Oh, it's unreal. It just gets better and better and better. Uh, that entire show. I've listened to it like several times and I keep laughing um, myself sick at it. That is Carl Kopak, you can hear. Um, Carl, um, we will speak later on about what's going on uh, with yourself in terms of uh, your new project. I do want to talk about that. Um, but what have you got for us to start with? I've got two quotes, and they're based on the same thing. Um, uh, it's almost as if I just Googled this word and quotes. <laughs> um, <laughs> the first one is by William Hazlitt, and it's the only vice that cannot be forgiven is hypocrisy. The repentance of a hypocrite is itself hypocrisy. And the second one is, the only thing worse than a liar is a liar that's also a hypocrite. And that's Tennessee Williams. And I suppose um, in the context, we are podcasting on the 15th of October, Tuesday evening at quarter past seven. And I'm assuming that you're talking very much about a certain media reaction to a certain event that we will discuss later um, at length. I know Mr. Branch wants to get in on that, but just is there anything else? Did you want to just leave it there or did you want to expand a little? I'm just, uh, I I won't go too big because obviously it's, uh, it's, it's, Cam wants to talk about this, but. Um, I just find the fact that although it's completely laudable to point out racism in one regard, when you fail to mention it on your own side, that becomes hypocritical. A hundred percent. And I think uh, we'll expand on that quite a bit um, when we get to the topic via Cam. And speaking of Young Branch, um, he's waiting to um, speak to you folks as well. So Cam, how are you doing this week? Not sure he is. I think Cam has left the building. I, hi there, sorry. I, I had you on the mute, as you do. So I'm, I'm the ultimate professional. And I couldn't figure out which one was mute and which one was unmute in the end. So I'm banging around with it, so much. sorry. So uh, I, I was asking Trevor um, to myself, obviously. Uh, how's your name, mate? Ah, it is, um, well, what am I now? I'm uh, about 
nine days post-op. I'm, I'm hobbling, man. Um, no, no, sorry. My mobility is good, but the stiffness and the soreness is just horrible. I got, I got given these, um, incredibly facile, uh, physiotherapy exercises and I looked at them and went, seriously? I mean, you know, I'm, I'm in half days naked. Can I, can we just, and I, oh man, I'm, I'm in pain doing them. Like little things, like li- just straightening the knee completely or stretching it. Oh man, it's just, it's rough. So, but I, have, they, have they not got you with one of the exercises where you put a carrier bag with some goods in it on around your foot, ankle sort of thing and lift it up to create a weight training regime? This is how far away from that I am. Wow. I am, I am absolutely just, literally lifting my leg up and down in and out now that's what i thought i thought it was just gonna i thought they looked pathetic i was like are you serious by the time i'm finished it i'm actively looking for my uh, fish oils and painkillers i'll tell you that so hopefully it's i think it's cocodamo cocodamo that's the one that's yeah, the one. yeah. I'm, on, I'm on that as well i think I'm it's par for the course what are you on it for carl I, last week I had, I had a neck problem and that's now changed into a shoulder problem but i, I get bursitis in my right shoulder Right now and then, and I so I think the next thing was just a sort of a hello. There's a big problem going on here, and I won't tell you what it is for a while. You know, it's one of those sort of things. So yeah, I've I've done some physio um, with my shoulder before, so I'm, I'm rather than get it looked at, I'm just going to go back to the exercises. I've got I've got like a weight band thing. Well, I I, I uh, oh yeah, one of those Dyna band things. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I am. Um, I went uh, just to to fully expand um, on your question, Cam. I went before I got the operation because I was obviously I was actually starting starting to do a little bit better and feeling okay and pretty mobile. But I was obviously doing as much as I could in terms of taking whatever supplements you can take to help the joints. And someone told me about CBD oil. So I went and got myself some of this, um, in a, in a balm, started rubbing it in. Now, don't, you guys are, you guys are 80s kids. You'll remember the phenomenon of deep heat. Yes. Yeah. Still do. It's crazy. Yeah. So this stuff, I did not expect the deep heat, but deep heat effect, but holy shit, my knees were burning because the other one was, was sore as well. So it's incredible now whether it was doing any good or not i don't know and i've got stitches so i can't be rubbing anything into it for a while but i will report back on the effectiveness of cbd oil at some point cam what did you want to start us with um just a bit of a health advice for everyone never rub dp to um, in the groin region <laughs> just just a health warning there for everyone that is that is the 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 dressing room story of most teams in the <laughs> 80s isn't it uh the, the, I, I i assume it's not just urban myth and that other people have uh heard the tale of uh the guy the prankster who goes and uh basically lines someone's underwear with dp <laughs> <laughs> oh. uh, so they they come in, they, they tug out and they tug back in again into their civvies and Yowza. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Pain. Anyway, right. Um, a, pain, a pain in the books, as Les, as Les would say. <laughs> now they're cookbooks. Yeah. <laughs> Very good. Very good, Cam. Um, anyway, right. My, my, uh, quote to start with, it's not by any one particular, but, um, I think with what's going on this week and the headlines, this is pretty much sums sums it up perfectly for me. No one is born a racist. Mm. 
Nice. I hope you have an angle to come out of that on because I think that's very an inter- that's a really interesting nature nurture topic like that. Uh, was it just one quote this week or? Yeah, yeah, that that was it. Um, just to because it's, it's pretty much where I've I've asked that we sort of start the pod this week because obviously it's the big football news, really, isn't it? There's there's not much really going on in the Liverpool sphere uh, this week. Um, will, will you will you will you frame it up for any for listeners who may not have been aware of the incident, the specific nature of the incident that we're talking about? Because there will be people who, like us, have taken refuge from football for a fortnight, and they might not know the details. So, will you just frame it up for folks, and then take it wherever you want after that? Yeah, sure. I mean, um, basically, what's happened is obviously England were playing playing against Bulgaria last night, and there was a um, racial chanting um directed at the black players of England and uh at about forty minutes they were on the verge of uh, the England team was uh on the verge of walking off the pitch um which they had agreed with the referee beforehand and the fourth official and UEFA that, they called it they called it a protocol didn't they? There's one yeah, three there's three three state three three stages or something I believe. And the third stage would have been to walk off for 10 minutes. But because they felt there was only four or five minutes left of the half, it would be a bit silly to walk off for 10 minutes, come back out for four or five minutes, and then go off again for 15 minutes. So they decided not to. Um, I think um, it's not just, for me, it's not just football that has a serious issue with racism. Um, it's society as a whole. I mean, I personally have, uh, experienced racism pretty much all my life, you know, since I can remember as a child, you know, growing up from primary school, uh, high school, um, you know, uh, last day of term at high school used to be affectionately known as Packy Bashing Day. So, um, if you were a brown face and you were collared by four or five guys, you know, who may have uh, had grade one haircuts, affectionately known as skinheads in those days, you know, felt they belonged to the National Front or whatever. We used to get a pasting. Um, other examples are, for me, my very first football match, Highfield Road, 1992 or 93, I think it was. I was sat in the Coventry end and there was loads of Liverpool fans in the Coventry end. It was meant to be the family, family side. The very last guy realised I wasn't a Liverpool supporter. He saw my red shirt. Under my jacket, you fucking packy scouse bastard. In front of everyone, in front of the stewards. Not a thing done about it. You get up, I'll fucking knock you down. And, you know, and that was my first experience. That was my first football match. And that day we lost 1-0. You know, I didn't, I didn't, the only time I got up then was to leave the stadium. Didn't have to get up because Phil Babb scored the winner against us. Uh, Rob Jones got sent off, Peter on Love run, running ragged. But my biggest memory of that game is I was a packy scouse bastard. Um, you, you look at society as a whole today. We've got a prime minister who has made racial comments. Yeah, we've got the, it. you know, um, I can't, I mean, I've got the, I've got one comment here that he's done. Let me just get it up. It's, I would go further and say that it is absolutely ridiculous that people should choose to go around looking like letterboxes. Yeah. Nothing more nothing more needs to be said. That's in print, his own words. You know, you also, 
He also mentioned, sorry, Cam, he also mentioned picking with watermelon smiles. Exactly, yeah. You know, the, the, it's not just the one comment he's made. This is our, this is the leader of our country today, our leader. And if it's okay for him to say that, then it's okay for anybody else to say anything. And unfortunately, it's, it's not just football that has this problem. I mean, recently there was a report done that there were from, for the, from 2014 up until 2019, there was a, how many arrests were there? I've got it written here. A, a total of 390 arrests over a four year period at football grounds in England. And it goes back to what Carl says. It's hypocrisy. There is a hypocrisy. There's no good. It's no good us calling out other nations for their issues. You look at Italy. They have a big problems in the stadiums where black players are regularly racially abused with monkey chants. And the fines imposed by the Italian FA on those clubs is meaningless. It's absolutely meaningless. It's pointless. It has no effect on that club whatsoever. It's pocket change. So when we have 390 arrests in the four-year period here, and that's and that's not even the full extent of it, because that those three that 390 is probably a minute amount of the actual racial incidents that are actually happening at football games, because you've got to prove it. You need witnesses to come forward. Let me let me talk to you about this here. Just and I'll bring in Carl on this as well. Then, but just I'm, I'm struck by you know the 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 anecdote you told us about your first game. I mean, it's it's all kinds of heartbreaking to be honest, man. Listening to that, it's just all kinds of heartbreaking on so many different levels. And you mentioned you know the facts and figures of the racially uh, aggravated uh, uh, or, or related uh, arrests that have been made. And as you say, it is it's guaranteed to be a drop in the ocean. Um, nothing happened to your particular. Uh, uh, it, 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 it was it was it was more. Accepted in those days. Hey, hey, that, that's it, man. And you're talking. And that's the, the thing. And you're, you're, we're in you're 2019 talking, now. Yeah, but you're talking. You're talking about the early 90s there, and yeah. you go back to the 80s even more so when you were in school, and that type of shit was happening to you and to uh, other people with similar coloured skin. And look, but I let suppose, me just say as well, Trev, uh, before you go on, the racism isn't just white people on black or brown people. Racism is also black and brown people on white people. It's also black people on brown people. It's also brown people on black people. And it's also, there's religious discrimination. In 1984, I was attacked at school because I was a, I was a Sikh and a Sikh had killed a Hindu prime minister of India. So all the Hindus attacked me. It's, there's, there's, there's very many forms of racism. It's not just, it's not, it's not as simple as black and white. No, and what you talk about about how it's and you know Carl referred to a couple of comments there as well. It's um, the signals that people are given now. We've spoken about it several times in this show about how they feel liberated to be as obnoxious as they like. They feel validated by people in power um, on both sides of the Atlantic saying wretched, horrible things and being sort of able to do so with impunity. And therefore, they think they can do the same. Um, and an awful lot of things are getting conflated now. And I just think it's a little bit I don't you know, we could we could we could get a little bit unhinged here in this conversation. So I wanted to just focus 
on this specific thing about about football. And you talked about that and how that must have just like it totally marred your first experience. And here's the thing I just wanted to get from you. That experience of yours, I mean, when you're sitting there, obviously there's feelings of humiliation, but were you actually intimidated as well? Did you have enough people around you? And contrast that, if you would, with what it's like to gen- genuinely what it's like to attend a match now. I mean, I've I've heard from you recently that at least now it's not a thing that you have to consider because it it happens so rarely. Is that fair or or what do you think? Yeah, I mean, that to be fair, that was my only ever incident, racial incident uh, at a football match. Uh, the people around me, the, the guys with me, they would have run a mile. I would have been left on my own. You know, they they weren't if if something had kicked off as such, they they weren't fighters. They would have just you know disappeared in the background. I would have been left to my own devices, and that's fine. That's not a problem. You know, I mean, I'm big enough and ugly enough to look after myself. Uh, so it was it was frightening as well as intimidating and embarrassing. Of course, and of course, because yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, if I if I had got up, um, the stewards would have thrown me out the ground. Yeah, there's no doubt did. about it. There you, you know? go. Yeah, 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 and that that you know, but ever since, I mean, the nearest I would say I've ever come to feeling slightly uncomfortable at a football match is uh, when I was at Anfield. I was in the Sir Kenny uh, Dalglish stand. Uh, it was half time. I was getting a drink or something, and somebody goes to me, "Oh, you're you're from out of town. Why are you even here?" You know, and that was just yeah, whatever, mate. Uh, do one. You know, I'm here to support my team. They're as much my team as they are your team or anybody else's team. You know, there's no God-given right that says only people born in Liverpool can support Liverpool Football Club. So, so I've kind of said that basically you're all Wolves, everyone who other than me. That's the way I've always seen these things. I'm happy to be a wall. I, I, I wear it as no, a... No, 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 no. I mean, I mean, even that person said that, it, that they're a wall compared I quote the famous words of Steve Bannon. If, if you're called a racist, wear it as a badge, a badge of honour. If I'm called a wool, I'll wear it as a badge of honour. I'm not quite sure he, you should be quoting him of mm. all people. <laughs> this, this, is, this is taking a confusing <laughs> twist. You're calling on Trump himself. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to let Cam gather his thoughts there because he's it's he started to go a little bit... <laughs> A little bit off the rails, and I want Carl. I want to come to you on one specific thing to do with the the specific incident at the England game. I saw an interview today with uh, Krasimir Balakov, the uh, the Bulgarian manager. Um, and initially, I thought, oh, well, this guy's just you know, people are are doing their outrage thing um, as opposed to listening to what he's actually saying. And then I watched the interview, and he seemed to be going out of his way to deny um, the obviousness of what anyone in the ground would have been aware of. I mean, if you, you, we saw the photo, we saw the shots of, of Tyrone Ming saying, can you hear that? We saw the reactions of several players and uh, we know they were thinking, as Cam says, of invoking different things and, and maybe taking significant action. That's how bad it was. So the, the disingen- to, to be so disingenuous uh, as to say, well, if it happened, then obviously something will have to be done about it. To be so disingenuous to say, well, if the captain spoke to the crowd, I guess he was probably just talking about our performance. Um, that's really part of the problem, isn't it? That sort of disingenuity that people adopt and they say, well, I don't, I don't see a problem. Um, you will know people who do that. I know people who do that. Um, 
in your workplace, perhaps in my workplace and, and, and in other places, you'll have people and then make comments and you think you wince and you, you, you have an option. You can engage with it and you can say, you really can't say stuff like that. Or you wince and you get on with your day because honestly, is it worth the battle? And this is the kind of individual decision that people have to make on a daily basis. But it is this level of disingenuity that really is a problem. The denial of it, Carl. Well, well, not 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 my current job, but I've worked in a job where um, someone's uh, made a racist comment to me in a sort of "we're going to laugh at this," and I pointed out that my my then girlfriend is of African descent, and uh, and and to which she said, "Oh God, I don't mean her. No, I mean the others." Yeah, well, that's you perfect. Know, right? yeah, that's exactly yeah, what. Oh, that's fair enough. Obviously, yeah. That, that, then that, I'm yeah. completely on board with what you're saying. It's that level of stupidity more than anything else, and and you, that is going to happen. I mean. I don't know what that man's thinking of, really. You can't really say this doesn't happen when, you know, the entire world was focused on it last night. And um, and, and Cam's right, it, but I think it goes to, to a bigger problem, really. This is all about UEFA. This is all about FIFA. Because, you know, Cam was talking about there, the, you know, you're talking about the Italian FA and, and the fans they, they give out of 20 pence each, whoever it is. Um, There's an incident a few years ago where, um, oh, God, I've completely forgotten his name. The former Arsenal player who plays for Denmark. Terrible player. John Jensen? No, no, no. Oh no, no God, was, I forgot his name. He was, was black, wasn't he? No, he's white. Very, very white. Oh, God. Anyway, you're not, you know what I mean, anyway, when I talk about this. He, um, oh, Bentner. Nicholas Bentner. Nicholas Bentner, that's right. He um, he revealed his underwear in a goal celebration. Which oh, he had the non- Paddy Power or something. Yeah, on which there. had a non-official sponsor logo on it. And he was fined something like three times more than the racist fines were. Yeah, that's what UEFA are interested in. They're not interested in racism. This is all about lip service, and that's all it is. And this idea of a fucking protocol of if you do this, the first stages we do this. How about just walk off? You know, we're not playing. Fuck you. I'm not having to go at the England players for that because you know they they're pretty much because you know they will get fined for that, and you know you have to play the game again, and you know that's going to run into problems. But protocols. If you're any more racist, we'll do something else. It's it's like when um uh. There's an episode of The Simpsons where um, where some teenage tough Jimbo and Curly and what have you are, are all messing around with Apu's stuff in the shop, and he says, "If you if, if you don't stop doing that, I'm going to have to ask you again." It's the same yeah. principle. Yeah. What what, what is that going to do? What, what is a ten minute break going to do? They're going to go, okay. Well, in that case, we'll all go and get a pint, and we'll come back and we'll start again. Well, let's tie into it. Let's let's tie into a point that Cam made earlier on about the about the Italian setup, where you have uh, to. In very recent um, re- recent times, a matter of weeks, in fact, we all have to witness the absolute indignity. And I mean, it's f- it, it, far worse if you're the person who these comments are being directed at, of a supporters uh, group talking down to their own player and saying, well, if you felt that was racist, then maybe you need to reassess your ideas about what racism is. And entirely condescending in a way that, you know, you associate with the worst types of groups over over the course of history who have this assumption of their own superiority. Um, that's where your boys need to step in and say, you can't say that as a supporters group. That's where we need guidance and leadership from these organizations. But they are not interested it's lip service. It's a, t- it's a t-shirt campaign. It's entirely lip service. We've seen all sorts of lip service from uh, pe- organizations like the FA when it comes to things like LGBTQ rights and, you know, 
it's better to have something than nothing, but it just always seems so shallow. In this particular instance, it's dangerous because they're not interacting with something. And actually, in my previous example, they're not fully interacting with it. They're not fully engaging with it. And it's not fully, it's not being in any way punished. I mean, solutions are there any what do you see i mean it's it you the three of us can sort of you know waggle our fists and say gur fa gur fifa gur uefa but what what do you think could be done i like that suggestion we've heard that come from um players of color before talking about look the only thing we have that we can do is to walk off and that would be a powerful message. So that's a really solid suggestion. But in terms of the governing bodies themselves, what else do you think is possible? And Cam, I'll come to you in this in a second. Well, they don't care. They they just don't care. They'll whack a hashtag up and hope it goes away. I mean, I mean, the, the game is better in the UK. The game is better than it used to be because I think supporters grew up a bit. I mean, that's coming back, obviously, but... Um, it's definitely better than it was in the 80s. But I think that's all that the FA and UEFA and FIFA are trying to hope for, that it just slightly gets better. And yesterday should be embarrassing for, for, for UEFA and FIFA and, and, and people like that. But they're not interested. Because if they were interested, if they were being fined for it, if they were losing sponsorship deals, then they'd do something about it. But they're not. So they don't care. That All they're interested in is the product and the sponsorship and the finance. They're not interested in individual rights. Doesn't mean a thing. If Raheem Sterling walks off that pitch, Tyrone Wings walks off that pitch, they would be fined, not UEFA. And that is disgusting. And the only way that a walk-off can work um, effectively, if it's en masse, if it's a complete combined effort, and, um, you know, maybe it is something that has to be looked at in terms of, well, yeah, there will be repercussions and consequences, and it may not work in our favour, ultimately, but this stand needs to be made. I do like that idea. And Cam, just to, to, to go back to you uh, on, on this idea of what can be done. I mean, and again, I, I, I'm, I'm interested in, in your take on this as well. I was listening to Chris Morris talking to the aforementioned Alan Buxton actually today on a podcast. And Chris Morris was talking about how, you know, uh, one of the things that people have lost sight of with all the sort of, you know, choosing a team with the Brexit thing is that things are actually better and that there is, you know, he was talking about after 7-7, there was a sort of more of a, there was a genuine kind of togetherness in, amongst people that, you know, that those kind of things bring out. Um, is it fair to say, like what Carl was saying, that things are better? Um, you've kind of alluded to it as well. And is it, is it, is it a possible course of action to just sort of hope that this slow, slow incremental increase in soundness will happen? Or do we have to really be aware of the fact that, again, as Carl says, this shit is creeping back in because of the platforms and the, the, the figureheads that you mentioned earlier on? Racism is, has, has been on the rise for the last four or five years, without a doubt. Like I said, across society as a whole, you saw that in the Brexit campaign with some of the um, the Leave campaigns uh, posters well, and stuff. You, the, you, the UKIP thing. Yeah, yeah. So, so um, you you see it with the rise of the far right in Europe. So, and a lot of these supporters, you know, of of the England football team as well as well as uh, you know uh, other European nations, that that that. They are they are racist, you know. Let's let's call a spade a spade. A racist is a racist. I mean, a lot of the England fans that go to games, uh, you know, I'm not saying all of them, but some of them, 
well, no doubt be in the, the Tommy Robinson camp. So um, let's not just think it's just that, like I said at the beginning, it's not just, you know, other teams. What can UEFA do? That and, and that's a $64 million question. What can UEFA do? They need to take stern action, whether that be um, um, what's fines aren't going to hurt a lot of these organizations. It's not about fines now. It's not about having players walk off the pit for 10 minutes. It's not about having, uh, uh, it is about having games being abandoned, called off. And at the end of the day, you can't kick not, out the tournament. You get kicked out the tournament. Exactly. Play, play. You're not, well, you, or, or you're not allowed fans in the tournament if you qualify. Well, that, that you can't. That you that would be difficult because the fans will all fans Liverpool yeah, fans but, are but, renowned but, for always finding a way of getting tickets. But, but when not they're that honest. many. Not not as no. Many that's as right. I mean, I mean, what you'll what you'll have, I think the ultimate punishment is. I mean, a team like Bulgaria, no disrespect, are very highly un, unlikely to qualify for the European Championship. So you can't really kick them out of tournaments. What you have to then do is kick them out of the qualifying process. Yeah, you, you ban them from the next one. You ban them from the next one. Well, Cam, I saw so, I saw something there, and this might go towards what you're saying. And again, it's 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 you know I'm just very aware that I like I like when we talk to to be thinking about things that might work, and we seem to be driving towards something here. And I saw something suggested, uh, kind of a sliding scale, a kind of an incremental scale of of sanctions that could be imposed. The first one would be any incident results in the next game being played behind closed doors. The next incident almost immediately then scales up to uh exclusion from the tournament that's uh they're taking that they're taking part in and a, and a third one would uh, uh, uh be exclusion from the following tournament including the qualifying process that you're talking about um that to me doesn't even sound half draconian enough because i want something that's going to scare the shit out of people so they take action because unless people are forced to take action and we know this in all walks of life and in all areas of life they won't do it um does that sound something plausible to you it's a step in the right direction yeah it's a bet it's a better course of action than fines because fines haven't worked also if i'm a a racist i'm not paying a fine exactly yeah it's the club that pays the fine, or the or the, uh, con- the, the 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 national FA that pays the fine. So to 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 the racist in the crowd who's making the monkey chants and noises, whatever, it, they're not affected. You know, let's be honest. A lot a lot of these teams, if uh, I mean me personally, when it comes to international football, I'm not overly bothered. Yes, I do enjoy the tournaments. I will put my England shirts on. I do have a couple. I will put them on and I will support England during the tournament. I'm not going to lie to you. I, well, I do, sorry. Yeah, 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 again. Yeah. So, um, I mean, I, you know, I do enjoy the international tournaments. Do I enjoy the international qualifying process? Not in the slightest. And they, this is where you get the incident. It's during the qualifiers. It's not at the actual tournament so much. Because at the tournaments, the crowd is more uh, diverse. You know, the, the the stadium isn't full. You don't get a load of supporters from one nation necessarily sat in in one place. The the the, the um it's mixed, isn't it? More because there's no yeah. segregation as such. Yeah. And so that uh, the way it is now. It's only and also the, the home nation get the majority of the tickets anyway. So they do. So it you don't. I I don't remember. I mean, there was a lot of worry when the um was it the World Cup recently that was in Russia. 
Yeah, it was the World Cup, wasn't it? Were, everybody was worried, oh, it's going to be really bad. There's going to be lots of incidents and blah, blah, blah. And there was nothing. It was... Well, there was that riot. <laughs> was there? I can't remember. Yeah, when the, when the Russian fans started attacking England fans. Uh, yeah. Why do England fans always get attacked everywhere? Why? Are, are they inciting everyone? Or is it that they are genuinely being targeted? I think it's because the national anthem is so disgraceful and weak. And such a tepid tune that they have no choice. <laughs> oh, honestly, it's just my opinion. Honestly, I mean, the royalist even, dirge. Even without the monarchy element, which I can talk about for 15 years, it's just that song. You know, you listen to other, other national anthems and, you know, they, they, they go right off. The Spanish one goes really big. Who, who's, a, who, you know, the, 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 the Italy, it, it's, Italy's fantastic. It. Italy just keeps going. It's just, yeah. it just builds and builds. It's just and a load got, of lads shouting. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. God almighty. I'd, I'd have to say our own Irish one isn't a whole lot better. It's a bit of a dirge as well. But yeah, some of these ones when you hear them, I remember we used to hear the Russian uh, t- uh, anthem back in the day. And yeah, it's Italy's fantastic. Like I say, just a load of lads sort, sort of shouting. And I, 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 as as we're talking here about um, the concept of hypocrisy, and we've mentioned this uh, clown already. Uh, apologies to any of our loyal Tory listeners. Um, Boris Johnson um, says... The vile racism we saw and heard last night has no place in football or anywhere else. Fully support oh, Gareth Southgate and the team for rising above it. Need to see strong, swift action from UEFA. So there he goes, pointing his fingers again at somebody else to do something. Uh, remarkable stuff. But look, Cam, I, I want I want to bring this to some sort of a place that you want to finish it with. Is there okay. any specific aspect that you wanted to discuss that we haven't touched on yet? Um, no, we, we, we've done quite a broad broad church there haven't we um i will say as well the mainstream media really needs to look at themselves because over the last 40 years you know some of the headlines in the newspapers have been abhorrent they 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 have contributed to the racial society that we have become if you know they they they've pushed that narrative of um you know of what i've seen immigration is the big thing you know immigration is the problem yet if you look at the immigration figures uh the uk have more i don't i've never understood why uh and a migrant from the uk is called an expat he's still an immigrant in another country yet in the eu we have more people from the uk are immigrants you know than there are of any other country Yet the immigration problem is only seems to be here. So, like I say, the, the mainstream media have got a lot to answer for, and you know, it, I think a lot of it, as much as I don't want to say it, but I'm going to say it, a lot of it comes back to Brexit with what's happening recently. With, like I said, the rise of the far right is, is prevalent. Our world leaders need to look at themselves, but you know, they're not listening to this podcast. They don't care. They're going to make their, you know, they get their millions. They they're living happy lives. They they don't experience it and and it, and racism is until you experience it and you're on the end of it you'll never quite understand it. Yeah, I think that's absolutely fair, and that's really why, like, I wanted to to, to sort of go there with you and and to 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 to, to draw you know that that experience with you because. 
so many people who are listening to this will have experience and many, many, many like myself won't. I mean, I'll, I'll have experienced different types of um, sort of um, uh, snide comments and stuff like that, but not that specific thing, which can be so hateful and, and, and so uh, cruel. And, you know, the thing about it is, and Carl, I'll just come back to you on this as well. Uh, Cam talks about the, the media and the effect the media is having, but I mean, unless people are sleepwalking through their lives, and some of them are, uh, they'll be aware that that's exactly the issue, that this um, culture of choosing teams, um, choosing identities in all areas of life now is so, so, so prevalent, and people are being set on edge against each other. Um, Cam talked earlier on about, you know, tensions between different, even different racial groups who themselves might necessarily be uh, bundling together by some of these kind of more traditional kind of white racist figures that we think of. Um, but it's all over the it's all over the place. It's 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 there when it comes to sexuality and gender. It's there when it comes to 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 um, almost every walk of like politics, for God's sake, we can see it there as well. And it is this media narrative. And I really hope if there's one thing that maybe one person listening to this gets is like try to source your news um, from non mainstream media outlets. If that's news to you, then maybe just consider that because I don't know what you, what you think, Carl, but you, like, I mean, people sit there and they just sit mouth agape watching the BBC as if it's the bastion of truth and they pick mm -hmm. up, they pick up um, um, newspapers like the mail and they don't seem to see that the, the this horrible, horrible, horrible agenda. I mean, what's your take on that, Carl? Well, firstly, the Daily Mail's job is to make you scared. That is the that's the hundred percent, hundred percent. If we're not scaring you, we're not doing our jobs. Um, the, the thing that the most interesting thing that comes out of this for me is what do the Red Tops make of Raheem Sterling this morning? Because they hate him. They hate him because he's black. They hate mm. him because he's rich. Um, and he's calling out the racists from last night and the other the papers are calling out racists and they can't sort of compute by the fact that they're right to be calling out the red the bulgarian racist and no one is saying otherwise but while ignoring the fact that they give that lad so much help and they're starting to like him a little bit more now because he's doing things for england he scored like what seven in three games or whatever it is i don't know but um that's the problem with this media at the moment it's it's the criticizing foreign racism as a bad thing and yet theirs is completely different in their eyes and it really fucking isn't they don't um, see it no it's well, as simple as that they don't no, see not, their not, racism to be honest I think they do they well, just don't care yeah sorry you're, you're 100% right there yeah, yeah. It, it, they it, know it, exactly it, what they're doing and you see racism has changed over the years see what we, what what happened in Bulgaria yesterday was the racism that I was used to as a child. It was in your face. Racism now is very more, it's nuanced, it's very clever. I, somebody will say, oh, that was racist. And I'm like, oh, what? Because it was, it was written down in Twitter in, in such a way, you know, you, 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 it, it, racism is clever now. Yeah, there's everything from basically from the obvious dog whistle to the to the what now are discussed as 
racist tropes. So basically, yeah. if you speak about, oh, I don't know, a certain, uh, you know, uh, media influence, then you're automatically um, being assumed to be making some sort of a, a, an anti-Semitic comment because of the traditional association between uh, Jewish folk and the media. It's it's it. This is what I was talking about, Cam, of teams and how it's gone too far because everyone's just bickering and the big, big questions like something like last night, which is a disgusting thing that needs to get fixed. They just get lost in the noise. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, totally. Yeah, but you're right. Um, and it and it goes back to what we've been discussing. What is the actual answer then? How do we resolve this? But it's like Carla said, if UEFA and FIFA don't care, because it's quite apparent that they don't, what can maybe we do as fans? Maybe as fans, if uh, maybe those England fans should have walked out themselves, said we're we're not putting up with this, we're not listening to this. Maybe that would have had a statement. Maybe they should have turned their back on it. Said we're not, you know. Maybe it's time for the fans to start doing something. Yeah, it's a tricky one. And I guess, you know, three lads in a podcast aren't going to solve anything. I do like the idea of the sliding scale of sanctions. I do like the idea of direct action by supporters. I mean, in your own situations, I, I spoke earlier on about a situation how, you know, you might hear something in, 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 uh, at your gym or at work or whatever. And do you engage or do you not engage? And maybe the, the truth is you should always engage. Maybe the truth is you should always call it out. Uh, maybe the truth, you know, I don't mean call out call it out in this sort of cancel culture nonsense i mean call it out as in if somebody says something that's inappropriate you don't have to be cruel they might not be a bad person you can just take them to one side and say listen you, that's that's really not okay yeah. um those yeah. kind of things i think people have to proactively do right yeah you, you i think that's the thing sometimes some people will say something they don't realize it's actually it's got racial connotations yeah, and so yeah. that, like you say, that you just need to have a little word to say, "Yo, easy there, easy there, big man." That's not quite the way you wanted to say that, probably. Yeah, you know, there's, a, there's a better way of phrasing it. It's, a, what, difficult, it's a difficult conversation, Cam. I mean, I, I've had it several times. It's not yeah, nice. It's not you, nice, and and, it, and this is something I've wanted to speak about for a long time with yourselves. You know, I felt this was a great platform to, um, you know, put our views out there and let people know. And maybe, you know, the, the good folks that do listen can come back to us and tell us, you know, if they've, if they've had any experience and how they've, they've gone about it. And, you know, maybe we can create some sort of, you know, I don't know, not a support network, but maybe a support network, you know, how we can help one another and how, you know, throw ideas about maybe get something going. Unless we talk about it, nothing's going to happen. Nothing's going to start. Change has to be made. And the only way that change happens is if we start the conversation. So, yeah, listeners, please reach out to us. Tell us what you think. Tell us what you think could be an answer. Let's try and maybe start something, try and do something. But, you know, it's no good just sitting there in silence and then saying, oh, well, this happened or that happened. Nothing's being done about it. It's it's have it's having the conversation. It's having the chat. It's like everybody on their own various individual levels and um, like I say, three lads on a podcast aren't going to solve anything. But it's an important discussion to have, and I'm glad you brought it up. And Carl Kopak's absolutely nailed the title for the show. He's gonna he said we should call it Vulgaria. Love that. <laughs> absolutely sure. love that. Um, so. 
We can uh, sort of start to segue a little bit out of that and into um, <laughs> what will be a fraud occasion in and of itself, which is the annual visit to Old Trafford um, hey. at the weekend. Uh, and we should, um, because it's, you know, we've got a, a chunk of time left for the end of the podcast. And um, I do want to talk about that because it's a, it's a massive game in so many ways. Um, we've all admitted to taking our eye off the ball a little bit when it comes to international football. But like I'm aware that Ginny Wijnaldum is banging in goals from distance. I'm aware that uh, Big Ali's back training and, probably will start i don't know maybe that could still be not 100 percent yet um, i'm aware that mo's uh back uh active and in training and that joel matip is too these are all tremendous things for us but there's also lads who've been on long haul trips um i saw sadio getting kicked up in the air i know bobby firmino has been on a on a on a, a long one um this with game Fabinho. with Fabinho, yeah um this game, Carl, it's a, a game that I traditionally, I have to say, I, I don't enjoy. Um, and I think if I was to say that I'm actively looking forward to it this time, it would betray a false sense of confidence just because of the perceived um, um, superiority, our actual superiority that our team has over theirs at the moment. It's a one-off occasion. Um, it can. It, it was always that way. They always used to beat us when we dominated. Um what, how, what's, your, what's your feeling going into this? Is there any specific aspect of it you wanted to look at as well? I have written an article about it this week. Get <laughs> in. And I would say that every single week. Pluggy and, plug. Um, and, and this will probably be out by the time that the article will probably be out before this podcast is. So the opening line to that article is, I'm not falling for it, lads. I don't, I don't care how bad Man United are. I'm not <laughs> yeah. falling for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Think, I, I may also have hinted that... Um, that Solskjaer's got the 1999 United midfield of Keane, Beckham, Skulls, um, Skulls and Giggs. Um, cryogenically frozen underneath the pitch. And they're going to adopt faces, masks of McTominay and, and, and Fred and people like that. Um, they're going to, they're going to be all Man United about it. Um, cause that's what I'd say. I mean, Solskjaer said in the, in the, in the press this week that United, Liverpool at home is the perfect fixture if you're at a bad year because you can get back in in one swing. Uh, with with see, and, and see, I, I agree yeah, with them. Yeah. I absolutely agree yeah. with them. That's yeah. what I'd say. Beat, beat, so on point. Yeah, beat beat the Scousers, and suddenly we're all smiling again. It doesn't matter where you finish. We beat the Scousers, and they, you know they have they haven't lost in seventy three years. So you know that that's what they're going to do. Um, and I think the way Liverpool play this is, um, if we're at the best of our game and they're at the best of their game, we win. Um, what we don't want to get done is is, is be as uh, is, is be dragged down to a fight or scrap. Um, and I mentioned the 1988 game where everyone thought this is it. Liverpool are finally going to beat Man United. So we, we, you know, here's a quick question for you. Then this is in my article. So, um, how many times did Liverpool win in the league in the 1980s at Old Trafford? Zero. One. We won one. 1982, Craig Johnson. Uh, and we had to save a penalty to, to win that. We never ever beat one at Old Trafford. But in 1988, when we had obviously that incredible team. We all went to that game thinking, this is it. We're going to stuff the Manx three or four here. This is, they're really going to get done. And at three, they were three one, uh, down. They brought on my, my Norman Whiteside. He kicked hell out of us and got a, they got a three, three draw. Cause that's what you do. If you're getting battered, you kick, you disrupt, you get in the referee's head. And that's what good managers do. Um, whether Solskjaer is a good manager, I've got my doubts, bearing in mind his, um, his managerial CV, but, um, 
let's not go into this game and think this is three points and a big <laughs> and a big night out on Sunday. We're gonna have to work for this. And uh, Cam, Carr's exactly right. I mean, I, I, it's, I've, I'm very loath to give um, Solskjaer any praise at all. Um, I think, I think um, he's a protected species. Uh, in the media, I don't understand that he's, he's, he's not critiqued half as strongly as other people would be in that position. I think it, you can only put it down to a sort of a, an institutional love of that club and the desire to see them back in their feet. I don't so know what it is. It's the I think, influence. I think that's what it is. But, but to be honest. I never really, I know, you know, he had this reputation and all that, but since he has been wearing a suit, um, I just, I always find him quite snide when he comes to talking about our club. He's, he's, he's really gets it. He's got that hatred of Liverpool. And so you don't need to be any sort of a football genius uh, to get the fact that, as Carl says, this can not only have the joy of derailing us, but get them back on track at the same time. So it's 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 painfully obvious what they're going to do. They will play above themselves, and they'll need to. Um, you're usually the one who's um, more circumspect when it comes to predicting how things are going to go. I mean, you seem to be very confident that we're going to pull our our strong our strongest team. Would you be confident that we will, as Carl says, if we play to our best? have more than enough to get over the line or do you think it's this one-off game that it could go anywhere? Play to our capabilities uh, we will win the game. Um, we are a, a superior team to this current Man United team. But for this game there's that goes out the window. For United it's a win-win regardless. They're expected to lose. To get a draw or a win that's an absolute big boost for them. They can't lose in that respect. It's a free hit for them now because of the position they're in. And when you've got a, a team that has a free hit against you and they do have quality within that team, you know, they're, they're, they're not Mickey Mouse players they've got. There are some good players in that team. Marshall's then, back, apparently. Well, Marshall's, you know, if he's on his game, he's a, he's a, he's a wonderful player. Rashford, I do like, you know, doesn't score maybe as many as he should, but the boy has obvious qualities and He's not and number talent. nine, though. No, he, number he, nine. Never he likes, number nine. He, he, he's like what Thierry Henry was. Thierry Henry was never a number nine. He liked to drift yeah. out wide. I'm not, I'm not comparing the two, obviously. I'm not saying Rashford is, you know, of that quality, but he, you know, he is a dangerous player. I mean, there's the possibility Pogba will be back and Pogba is, He's a wonderful football player. Whether he he hasn't really proved it at Man United, but he's still a wonderful football player. And what's to say he doesn't come back and have the game of his life against us? There's a, we just don't know. But you know, for them, it's a free hit. They, they they can't lose, regardless of the result. They cannot lose because they're expected to lose the game. So when, like I say, it's, it's going to be a very very difficult match. You know, it's, it's, uh, you have to, when we have to play our strongest 11, you know, it's just the only, not a game you can suddenly say, well, we're playing a mid table team, let's rest, rest mo this week. No. No, if, if we were playing this in the Watney Cup and they put out their 10 year olds, I'd still turn up. And I still want us to win. And I want us to win heavily. There's no such thing as a minor encounter between these two clubs. No. It's the, for me, it's the biggest game in world football. Yeah, it is. It is. 
Did you see one mank wag had written up a big sign on a wall, a piece of graffiti um, along the lines of when Harry met Saleh? <laughs> I like that. Because, I like that. Because, yeah, if you say it with a mank accent, it works. Uh, whereas Salah. basically they're, 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 they're <laughs> pa- pairing off their great, um, their great uh, defender against our great attacker. Um, it's an Why interesting... didn't I put that as my headline? Damn it. I know, dude. I know. It's, it's, <laughs> it's a belter. You've got to admit it's a belter. Uh, fair play to the man in question. Um, and they seem to be, you know, uh, quite happy that they've they've got enough there. Um, what about that particular matchup? Um, what about that particular matchup? The Manchester United defence as is currently, uh, Carl. And I think the defence that started against... Newcastle, where they were defeated, was Young, I think it was Dalot, who, who started as the fullbacks, Maguire, um, was it the young kid, Twanzebi, Lind- I think? Lindelof was injured, wasn't he? Yeah, um, they had McTominay and Fred in midfield, yeah. James and Pereira out wide, Mata behind Rashford. Um, you're telling me that, is it, did I hear Pogba's fit for this game? Possibly. I reckon he'll play at some I point. Think, I think he plays, and there's somebody they do, else they back. They do this all the time. How many times was Wayne, Wayne Rooney injured the day before a United game? I'm going to say yeah. all of them. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> pretty much. So, I mean, what about what about that? Um, whatever. They've conceded eight in the league this year in eight games. So, the defence isn't exactly no. leaking goals left, right and centre. No, it's not awful. So they're, just, they're, they're just not scoring. They've only scored nine. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly, and that's that's their big downfall. So I've got a, I've got a weird stat for them, by the way. Sorry, Trevor. I know you're dying to ask this question, but um, well, does it, do you know when the last time they won away from home in the league? This really surprised me. Uh, was it February? February, Crystal Palace away, and the man who scored two goals, they sold and didn't replace. Lukaku. Yeah. Well, we're looking at a side who are twelfth in the table on um, what Nine is points. it? Nine points. Sheffield United. Uh, um, yeah, uh, they are, you know, so far adrift that you know people are starting to talk sort of bobbins about potential relegation. That's more fanciful than anything else. But I want to come back to that specific question, uh, Carl, because an awful lot of people are trying to say that um, uh, Harry Maguire is a sort of a, a, a you know a, a, a bit of a, a mirage that this idea of him being the greatest defender in the world is 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 is, uh, is a bit nonsensical. Um, I always think he'd be he's a very good. Um, defender. I I remember listening to Harry's pre-match pod. Listen to a Leicester um, uh, blogger and and fan talking about how he genuinely, you know, he highly highly rated Maguire. Thought he was like probably just he was able to say it openly. He was probably too good for us. He was always going to move on. Now, I've kind of yet to see that even in these famed England performances. Do you see enough in him that, you know, with whatever cohort is back there, probably young and a couple of others, uh, maybe this kid will continue at centre half. Maybe maybe they'll have one of their more tried and trusted back. Do you see that being enough to stop our boys who are at least creating chances and creating opportunities? No, I, I do rate Maguire. I don't care who he plays for. I think he's just a good footballer. He's not worth 80 million quid, but of course, that's the English thing, isn't it? If you, you're going to pay much more if they've got the word England. And England, England and United tax. 
Yeah, and that's going to happen. And we bought, and we probably have to say the same thing as well. I think he should have gone to City. I think City need him more than United do. But um, I think he's a good player. But I don't. I'm not thinking. Oh my! I mean, I, it, I, I'd worry more about playing Napoli for obvious reasons than if you're talking at centre backs. Than I would talk about playing Man United for Man United because he's only he's only half of the centre back team, and that's the problem. And that's been Liverpool's problem, you know, over a while as well. Um, you can have one really, really good centre half, but you know they they end up looking after the other one half the time. And I think it'll be Lindelof on on Sunday, and I I don't see anything there that's particularly great. Um, I think he's capable of a good game, but I don't think he's good enough to stop Firmino pulling them all over the place with his movement. And I don't think that um, Ashley Young's what forty six now. I can't see Ashley Young having a good game against Salah and Mane when they switch over all the time. And I think that's where the game's going to be decided. And Cam, just a specific football-related question for you, and then I want you to go out of it. I think that I've just come across in the last hour or so, and I was wondering if you'd heard anything from your um, beloved Mac family members who'd be a little bit closer to the case probably than us. But just on that concept, I know they're tapping up and looking to get Mario Mandzukic in, I think, in the transfer window. Um, and that would obviously then leave the kid able to go to either side of of a more traditional kind of centre forward. Um, that's an interesting thing, and it might speak to some of the problems they're having. Um it also makes you kind of ask a question and cock an eyebrow about why they let Lukaku go. But anyway, more of that later. Uh, I want I want you to talk about any specific footballing aspect of the game you want to talk about. But then also, have you heard about this story where one of the Glazers, I think it's Kevin Glazer, is going to sell 13% stake in the club after um, 14 years uh, since the takeover? Um, these kind of stories always make me nervous because the idea of you know Manchester United is a massively attractive thing, a play thing for some uh, oligarch or oligarch to come in and um, you know rejuvenate them is always a fear that you have um, we've uh, we've got one sort of state-owned thing to have to battle against and when we could do it have another one um, first of all any political any, any specific um, football related issue you'd like to talk about in, in the game any pairing that you're interested in seeing and then second of all what about this concept of um, this guy selling off do you think it could be the start of something more um for me, I'm I'm hoping we have a midfield three of Ginny, Fabinho, and Naby Keita. Um, I think this is what uh, we we're gonna need. We're gonna need a slightly more progressive midfield for this game, and, and Fabinho and uh, to do what he does really, really well. And if Fabinho dominates the midfield the way he should do, then that should stand us in good stead. Um, the Manzuk Manzuk. I'll let you that. That's the one. Uh, Thirty-two is he? Thirty-three? Um, yeah, he's not Charles- on. Yeah, yeah. I thought Shawshank had a policy where he was looking at predominantly young, young, talented players to bring in. Um, so I did mention that uh, during the Newcastle game to my nephew, and um, he was a bit sort of put out by it, but thought, well, we do need someone. And at the end of the day, it would be a stopgap. If you're signing someone in January, you know, it's, it's not very often you get a Virgil van Dijk in January. So, um, you know, and it's, and it's not like they're signing a, a Daniel Sturridge in January. They're signing someone who's getting towards the end of their days, probably got 
a season left in them, maybe 18 months. So it might be a good stop stopgap, you know, um, and help. It might help uh, Rashford um, along. So it could be a reasonable signing. Uh, United have always been for sale. The Glazers are, are those type of owners that, you know, they bought the club to make money. So, um, you know, anybody can go in and just whack the money on, put the money on the table. The Glazers are going to take it if the price is right. So um, it, it, it can well be somebody's plaything, but, you know, we, we, I know we don't have financial fair play, you know, it doesn't exist, but it's not easy just to pump millions into a football club now the way you used to. Um, it's going to take them a while to do that, even if they do want to do that. So, you know, they've got a big rebuilding job there. They're two, three, four, five years away from, um, I'd say at least three years away from being close to challenging. Well, I hope you're right. And here's one for both of you. What about if we do go out and rattle these three, four? Um, that might be the final, that might be the final nail in the coffin. That might actually be the thing that turns heads against Solskjaer. What if Tottenham go and have another dodgy result? Is there a potential managerial merry-go-round here where we see Pochettino getting that United job because it's something I've been secretly dreading. Carl, what do you think about the possibility of that? I don't think it'll sack Solskjaer because it looks like the, um, they said this on the Times podcast last week. I think it's bad. If they yeah, what about the, the Liverpool fan? Well, oh, where have you heard that? That's news to me. <laughs> but so, I don't, don't think he is now. And Cam, your take on 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 Pochettino to United? Um, it's the best thing they could do. Yeah, right now. Um, I think I think he goes to Madrid myself. Do you? Oh, well, he played for Atletico, so there's there's sort of a thing saying going around that he may not actually go to Real because of that. Or did he, did he play for Atletico? No, he played for Atletico. Played for Aspen, so he won't do Barca, will he? He can't go to Barca. No. Yeah, that's right. Sorry, so yeah. I mean, that didn't stop Steve Bruce. <laughs> Steve Bruce is playing for. He's a managerial he's, whore. He's playing against. He's playing against Newcastle on on Saturday. Steve Bruce. He is. <laughs> he is. Oh, by the way, that thing that you said was it one of you guys sent me that Steve Bruce in uh, Steve Bruce's face and Angela Merkel's. Oh yeah. my god! Oh my god! What a creation that is! Uh, and ab- shit. Absolutely right. Would 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 just sort this mess out, no doubt about it. Um. So <laughs> so Cam, you 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 think it's going to be status quo? You don't think there's going to be any change? You're going to stick with him till the end. Ali's at the wheel, and we can just enjoy it. Oh, I. I I honestly wouldn't like to say, um, because well, I'm putting uh, so like it, I said last week, the club's in disarray. I'm me. putting it out there. I, I, I've I've got a couple of wild shouts. Wild shout number one is watch this, watch this space. Hillary Clinton's going to be the Democratic candidate. Wild shout number two. Watch this space. Pochettino's going to unite, and I find that a little bit frightening. I actually find both of those things a bit frightening. But there you go. Uh, let's wrap this up. Uh, <laughs> Carl, I know you have uh, something that you're working on at the moment um, that I think that people should uh, have a little bit of of of, uh, of uh, lowdown on. I have a trailer for my thing. I'm going to play it on the next show. Uh, by that stage, uh, hopefully iTunes will have accepted the episode and will be up and running. Um, but let's focus on the Cop Side project first. What's going on? What is it? 
when can people expect to get their paws on it and so on? So there's a programme called the West Wing Weekly, which for fans of the West Wing, the TV series, they every week they go through an episode in order. Um, and one of the hosts is a former actor, um, Josh Molina, who played um, Will Bailey in the series. And it's very, very funny. And, uh, and I thought they've stolen my idea. So what I wanted to do, because it's not the other way around, honestly, um, I'm going to go through all 50. This is the plan. It's an attempt. That's how I've been told to, to, um, by, by my uh, podcast overlords. I've been told to say it's an attempt to chronicle all 56 of the Sherlock Holmes short stories from a scandal in Bohemia, where the chief protagonist is a woman called Irene Adler, um, all the way through to the uh, the retired Cullerman, who the chief protagonist is a man called Josiah Amberley. So the podcast is called Sherlock from Adler to Amberley. Um, and every week, I will, it's not weekly, I should say, it's going to be quite irregular, um, just because guests are going to be tricky, to be honest. But, um, and also, I've got, I'm doing like 15 podcasts a day at the moment. But um, my plan is um, to bring a guest on and we will talk about the story, where it fits in the canon of Sherlock Holmes, and where, um, and whether we like it or not. And there's a lot of Sherlock Holmes short stories I don't like. And um, what's quite interesting is the guests I've got lined up, I've got a spreadsheet lined up with a few people, and um, all of my mates who really know their Sherlock stuff all really, really want to do the bad stories, uh, which I think is really interesting. So they get yeah. to like, slag off the three Garadebs and stuff like that, which I can't stand, uh, and the three students, and the three Gables, all the threes. Uh, and um, so it's an attempt to do that. I've got a guest lined up for the first episode, uh, which I'm incredibly happy with. Um, he's a friend of mine, and um, it's not just because he's got over a hundred thousand followers on Twitter, but um, <laughs> he really knows he, he really knows this stuff. He knows that as well, and uh, I'm very very happy that he's going to be the first guest because I think that's going to really start up the series with a bit of a bang. And in so terms of schedule, uh, when when could we expect to possibly hear this episode? Well, I had a conversation. So basically, I should say it's hosted by Rippercast. Rippercast do the Jack the Ripper podcasts, which I'm also a guest on. Uh, and the Whitechapel Murders of 1888 in general, and um, they're hosting it. And what he's the expert, he said, so I'm going to put out a teaser pod, um, which which you've heard, Trev, which is like three minutes long about what we're going to do, and then hopefully the week after. I'm hoping to do the pod recording after United. Right. Um, and then hopefully it might be after the week, like, week after that, maybe even the same week, I don't know. So it could be two weeks away from the first uh, from the first Sherlock from Adler to Amberley. Um, but I've got the artwork done. I've got theme music done. Um, you you set up the socials as well, right? Yeah, I've done that as well. Yeah, so from at Adler, at Adler to Amberley, A-M-B-E-R-L-E-Y. Um, they're all done as well. Um, also, I'll be retweeting them a lot as well. I haven't done it on Instagram, but I might do it at some point. And um, yeah, so this, it's, and the, the people who are going to be guests are going to be friends of mine as much as anything else, but we really know their Sherlock stuff. But there's a man I really, really want who wrote the adaptation to the BBC Radio 4 series in the 90s. And he's on Twitter and he's got like 20 followers. And I think if he just reads his Twitter, he would be the best guest in the world. I would I would co-host with him if I could. So, you know, I'm, I'm, looking to, I'm hoping to get people like Mark Gattis and things like that. If, if it takes off, that would be quite nice. Fantastic. Fantastic. And um, you've heard the links there. Keep an eye out for that. Something to look forward to over the next fortnight or so. And uh, you'll have heard me wittering on about the great stories um, ad nauseum for a long time. Um, It's finally happened. Uh, Unlike Carl, I don't necessarily have anyone helping me out with in terms of... uh, 
working with an organization. So I'm very much learning on the job. I last night posted uh, what I thought was a trailer um, and it was up on Twitter for all of about 30 seconds before I realized it was just a load of uh, swallowing noises and me breathing heavily <laughs> into it. Um, and I had to cancel it immediately. Oh, I am, the, I am. Would that time what we were talking about before this pod started? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I am, uh, I'm absolutely learning uh, on my feet uh, every aspect of this. Um, the technical side of, st- of things doesn't come naturally to me, but I am enjoying learning. I feel kind of constantly tense for the last week, and I'm glad I've, been, I've had the time because of this uh, injury to get into it. And it's finally here. We have episode number one done with myself and Neil Poole. Um, Neil will be the recurring guest. Neil uh, is very much, um, you know, my partner in crime in this going forward. We will have sporadic guests as well. Um, probably just me and them uh, for certain stories. The first story is called The Lottery. It's by Shirley Jackson. It's an incredibly uh, engaging short story. The podcast format for The Great Stories is... You hear your introductory music, you hear me read the story, and then you hear me and Pooley or whoever's guessing with me on that particular one speak about it for about 30 to 40 minutes. Um, so the whole podcast is in the region of an hour, and we're not going to uh, flog ourselves to keep just exactly to the hour just because some people have some sort of psychological uh, tendency to only listen if it's less than an hour. Um, if I lose you that way, I lose you. I couldn't be prouder of the first episode. Genuinely, I'm so, so happy with it. It is now existing. It's extant on Podbean. But I'm waiting on the iTunes link. The iTunes link, um, the great overlords of iTunes are waiting to tell me whether I've been approved or not. This can take two days to two weeks, I've been told, which is just marvelous. So I'm sitting on my hands waiting the social media, the email has been set up. You can get in contact. Uh, it's at the great stories at the stories S at the end is a two. Um, you can get that. All the links will be on my Twitter as well. And you can also um, contact it at the great stories or sorry, the great stories pod at gmail.com. The great stories pod at gmail.com is the, um, is the email address for Shirley Jackson. Next up is, um, Anton Chekhov, short story called The Bet. And then we've got Evelyn by James Joyce uh, for number three. And the next one after that is James Thurber's um, Walter Mitty, which some of you will know. We are flying and we can't wait to get going. Can you think you uh, absolutely on the cards hey. at some point. Absolutely on the cards at some point. And if, that's a, if there's a particular one you'd like to do, mate, because I know you I'll, I'll, I'll send you a list. And and as I said, you know, when you're when you're getting, uh, when, when, when you're, your story you want to go with for the the, the homes pod i'd be i'd be into it um cam what's what's your uh sorry i just seen what uh guy drinker has posted in the um chat which is he's uh if you're doing a beano and a dandy one he's 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 up for it excellent well i don't see why we would avoid that that sounds wonderful uh I, striker I, striker <laughs> striker yeah cam what are you going to finish as well uh just a a, a quote that probably goes back to where we started so um about where i would like the whole world to sort of go you know if only yeah communication will bring understanding and understanding will cause harmonious mutual relationships which can establish peace and stability i like it i like it don't think it's going to happen too soon but i like it uh carl I know the plug was probably part of what you wanted to do at the end, but is there any specific last thoughts you had either, or is that it? Just a slight extension of that. 
read the Sherlock Holmes short stories. They're just phenomenal. I read, I, I read the first one today, and I've read it for ages. And I just thought, just how good is this? This is just amazing. I know every word off by heart anyway, pretty much, but of all of them. But um, A Scandal in Bohemia is fantastic. It really is. That's the first one. You heard it here, folks. So let's wrap it up um, for another episode of the Anfield Index podcast. Um, it's been a long one because, um, as usual, when we think we haven't much to talk about, we end up wittering uh, for ages. So thank you for your attention. Uh, do prove to Carl and Cam that there are more than four of you. I absolutely know. I know that there are <laughs> massive numbers of you out there because uh, Gags tells me, but the boys don't believe they just don't believe they don't believe in you listeners they don't believe in you so uh do contact them they need the affirmation of connect of yeah yeah there you go there you go <laughs> if there was a, a spike in in novel sales carl would <laughs> exactly, be yeah. immensely gratified um and you know if if you know if if, if all of a sudden the uh the chauffeur service was was off the hook i think oh uh, yeah Br- bridge <laughs> would love that <laughs> he would love all that um so like i say uh do do reach out I could feed my kids <laughs> <laughs> oh the pathos uh that that was camp branch uh, and before that it was carl cop guy drinkle's been uh, beavering away in the background god bless him i'm trev denny until we speak to you again be kind to your fellow reds and stay safe out there Podcast Network.